Hey everyone, Single Tree Podcast, back and going to continue talking about some of the things happening in our culture and society. We've had the coronavirus pandemic um, and also a lot of um, unrest about uh, the racial, racial situation and um, you know, it just seems like everything that is happening is creating a lot of division. There's a lot of people feeling like they need to pick a side. And obviously with an election coming, people are sort of dividing themselves along party lines and yeah, just kind of finding a place where they want to hunker down and maybe like uh, try to gain ground against the other side or or just protect themselves against the other side gaining power. And uh, it's kind of an ugly dynamic right now in our culture. So we wanted to address that on a personal level because while it's happening on a corporate level, um, it comes down to what we choose to do as individuals and we uh, corporately form groups a lot of times with people who we believe are like us and are like-minded or have similar goals or ideals and what we're seeing right now on a national level uh, especially in our country is um, that that has those differences and the divide, the the gap between is um, greater and greater and more more significant. Um, And I think a lot of people see it, but I, uh, you know, we just want to talk about, you know, what, what we're seeing and why that's happening. And then maybe talk about what we can do about it on a personal an individual level. I mean, there's a lot of ways that uh, people are trying to communicate and address the issue of division and and uh, pull people together on a on that on that corporate level. But uh, yeah, it comes down to how we can um, build build bridges and and sort of get along with other people who are not like us, mm-hmm. I guess. And so, yeah, first, I mean, maybe maybe we just talk about what we see happening and then talk about how we got here, maybe, why, why, and then, and then we can talk about, like, maybe what would be a constructive response, so. Yeah. Go for it. If you want to talk about what, what you're seeing and... Well, Your having, explanation for that? I was having a conversation last night, as a matter of fact, kind of about this. And, you know, just kind of putting words to the ex- experience and person that I was talking to had framed it in a really interesting way where, you know, you, you see you see this division, this back and forth, really kind of between groups, right? 
or two groups and you know especially with the racial tension going on the the person framed it in in this way and it's it's like um like in a couple relationship and it could be any relationship but like a couple relationship where one person in the couple is basically just kind of taking this stance of stonewalling right and stonewalling is just kind of taking this stance of denying and minimizing anything that the other person is bringing to them discounting it and rejecting it essentially like a, a refusal to respond and then how when someone in like a couple relationship takes that stance long enough and the other person continues to bring things to that person who's stonewalling right there's this emotional energy or tension that builds right and it just continues to build and build and build until there's you know essentially like what it would look like in a couple relationship is like an argument or a pretty bad argument right there's like a a point of like critical mass or a tipping point to where the emotional energy just spills over right mm -hmm. and I, I just thought that that was an interesting way to kind of see it because it's the same things kind of happening on a on a macro kind of level right you you have a group of people who are voicing concerns right legitimate concerns and then another group who seemingly are stonewalling right and it's been happening for a long long time and there's this upheaval happening hmm. you know in some ways it's kind of a natural a natural response to to when a person on a smaller level right takes a position of stonewalling and the other person feels like they have concerns right mm -hmm. um, then aren't being addressed and probably has a felt sense of no power or no influence mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting that you know almost by nature there 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 have to be like two sides you know when, when it's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different opinions, but like, it's just, you know, this ph phenomenon of people just like polarizing into these two groups that are so adamantly opposed to one another, mm. you know, it's just really interesting. Um, because it, it does, it sort of creates these two factions or two groups of people which are um, and, and you know the more that dynamic goes on where people are protesting and you know asking for change and the other group is 
refusing like the more entrenched the sides get mm -hmm. and um, the more tight and like strong that tension becomes right yeah and uh, two two people in a partner relationship you know obviously ideally we'd be working toward the same thing you know a, a relationship where they both benefit mm -hmm. a mutually like reciprocal relationship um, if and if they can learn to talk to each other then obviously that is possible but yeah I mean one, one might say that all of us to, to some extent are experiencing some in some area of our life where we have concerns right or an experience that isn't being received or responded to like we might like all of us probably in, in some area and we all know what that feels like to have our experience just rejected or stonewalled or, or denied, right? I, I think it would be, we would be hard pressed to find someone who wouldn't be able to relate. It, it's gotta be happening on, in, in some area of our life, right? On some level. And I say that because I think it's really important for us to maybe consider how that dynamic is playing out so that we can reflect and maybe what that does is helps us develop a perspective for groups who are experiencing that in another way that we may have a hard time relating to. You know what I mean? Because it's, if, if we can see how that's playing out in our life, right, and we know exactly what that feels like, and we can look at, a, at, a, at another group, right, that maybe seemingly is different than us, but is experiencing the same thing, you know, maybe what that does is that helps change our perspective a little bit and maybe builds a bridge because we, I, I think we all know what that feels like. Yeah, when you're, when you're the one who's petitioning for change, like you typically are gonna be in this position of not having power you know, and, and, you know, stonewalling and being dismissive of, you know, the, the fact that there's a problem is a way to gain power, right? And so typically you sit in that seat and, um, of course you're going to have, I mean, you're going to experience like this threat of give it, having to give up power to this other person or this other group who um, 
is petitioning for change, you know. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's why I think is, that's a big reason that there's such resistance to change, you know, or to dismissing protests, to dismissing the fact that racism exists, for instance, um, because it feels like, even though you might agree racism is wrong, um, you know, it's wrong to judge or demean or oppress people who are different than you or people who are minorities, um, there's still this feeling of I might lose power, you know? So yeah. I agree what, you know, if you're, we've all been in that position of wanting things to change and wanting to petition someone else for things to change. And, um, yeah, that's a good way to practice empathy for, yeah. And the reality probably also, in addition to, to knowing what it's like to want, want some change and having this experience of someone stonewalling us, right? Or not really wanting to give up some control. I mean, the reality is, is that in different aspects of, of our lives, we're probably in both positions. Yeah. Which is strange to think about, but yeah, we're probably advocating for change and having an experience of feeling powerless because our experience or our concerns aren't being addressed like we might like. And on the flip side of that, maybe in another area, we're in the opposite position. Yeah, but when you're in that position of, you know, someone else petitioning you for change and you feel like you're going to lose power because of it, it's like you're, the blinders are on and you don't see any of those other places where you want change to happen mm -hmm. because you just have to fight for this control of this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's really hard to see outside of that. Sure. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I think a lot of the division that we're seeing in polarity is is you know these is just a is jockeying for position and and like power, right? And that's what we see politically. That's what we see with these social issues. Um, you know the like obviously minorities, you know, feeling in a position of lesser power for so long are going to be advocating for their own equality, advocating for power and control, which makes sense. You know, when, when you're the kind of like more vulnerable party or, um, yeah, in the more vulnerable position, you, you, almost have to advocate for yourself or have to advocate for equality. Yeah. And it's just kind of like asking for equal rights or asking for to have influence, to have power even. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not wrong. No. Um, but, you know, when that's kind of met with such opposition and resistance, like we get these automatically just divide into two 
factions, if you want to call them that, which is what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the fear of losing control, the fear of losing power, right? On an individual level, that is what we are experiencing. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about, you know, in our last talk, you know, where it's very much the nervous systems involved in all of this, you know. Yeah. The nervous system wants to feel safe and, you know, comfortable and, you know, neutralize threat at all times. So, you know, if there's any threat to your comfort or to your position of power, to your wealth, you know, anything like that, um, then your nervous system gets activated, right? Not necessarily a bad thing. It's very human, right? But as we were talking last time, you know, that that can, if just kind of gone unchecked, the nervous system will lead us to violence, you know? And so like a lot of this polarity that we're seeing is, you know, not, not at all times ending in violence, um, but there's a lot of violent speech and threatening speech and language being used and, um, you know, to at, at its worst that's what it becomes mm-hmm. is violence right to dominate and to maintain your position of power and not give up ground right so it's fear and your nervous system is is activated to maintain safety and control yeah so it's that ingrained self-protection mechanism in this all mm-hmm. you know and I don't think we give ourselves much opportunity to really be reflective of that self-protective mechanism very often and I think if we do give ourselves a chance to to be reflective of that we can kind of make a conscious decision about what kind of relationship we want to have to that response. But yeah, that's a good point. I think probably what we're talking about is not something that many people are thinking about just their own, like internal experience of what this is like to negotiate like a, a power differential, you know, um, (laughs) most of the rhetoric is about like what's right right so you know believing the right way like having the right ideals and values being anti-racist or whatever um you know and and if you can fall on the right side of the truth or whatever like then that that's what it feels like is the goal yeah because yeah you know, but all of that's being driven by like the nervous system response of, you know, f- fear of or experiencing threat, you know. Yeah, because if you're on the right side and that side is good, the nervous system's going to be just feel just fine. Yeah. If you're on the right side, you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're in the right group who's going to get power, you know. And so, yeah, kind of calms your nervous system down a little bit. 
Yeah, so if everyone would just like pay attention to their nervous system and what's happening as they experience threat, as we all are experiencing threat right now, then, you know, we'd be better off. We'd probably be moving in the right direction. But, you know, nobody's really talking about their nervous system experience on social media. No. <laughs> well... They are just in a very <laughs> indirect way. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Not directly. Yeah. You don't hear people make making Facebook posts about their, how they're having a hard time navigating their nervous system's fear response. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, but it's all over. But it's all over the place. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, like hate and stuff like that that you read about and and everybody's sort of like so aware of right now it's just it's that violent internal experience that that violent sort of speech that is meant to subdue um whatever threatens it dominate gain power right so uh it's pretty ugly <laughs> we're heading toward an election um and so we have five months until that, and then it is looking like it's going to continue to boil until then. So, you know, we're under no delusion that things are going to just get better just because we're talking about this. But this is kind of the practice, right, is to be taking stock of what's going on within you and be able to have some constructive response. So. But, you know, as far as this polarity goes and, like, people dividing themselves into two opposing groups, you know, which is, I would say, is kind of driven by the fact that we have a, we're in a bipartisan political system, you know, and so you have to pick a side when it comes to Election Day. Um, you know, what are some ways that we... Can move out of that do you think well i mean i think i think it starts with just being willing to to be self-reflective mm -hmm. i think it starts there yeah i mean so let's kind of maybe talk about some scenarios where you could do that you know i i think uh since we're so divided like we we end up seeking out people who are like us you know um but you know, people are talking about politics and stuff like that. People are talking about race now. Um, you know, some people are even still talking about coronavirus, you know, which, which, you know, people got divided on as well. Um, but, you know, if you put yourself in one of those situations, talking to someone who uh, doesn't, you don't agree with, you know, that's a good place to practice. Right. But we tend to avoid those situations. And so, you know, you can do some mental rehearsal of this if you just sort of like, I mean, you could read some things on social media, you know, and see what happens in your own nervous system. We, we tend to shut those things down and dismiss them and just get away from it. Yeah, I mean, talking to someone that has a different opinion than us is 
Definitely a good step. I mean, we'll find out real quick. You know, we're about our, we'll learn real quick about our nervous system that way. Yeah, I think what, you, what you'll notice when you do that is like these feelings of disgust, <laughs> these feelings of hate, maybe. You, you might experience these feelings of like disbelief. Um, you, yeah, just like sort of like recoil mm-hmm. from something that seems very unpleasant. Um, people that you otherwise respected and liked are saying things that you feel like you could never arrive at that conclusion yourself. That's a really hard, that's a really hard one, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we, why we don't do that because we don't, we don't want to feel that grief really. Yeah, it's like you're losing someone mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way, like, you know, they're on the other side, you know? And the mentality is like those people need to go away or they need to be, I don't know, dealt with <laughs> or something. Um, and so it almost feels like you can't maintain a relationship because one side has to win and, and those other people are going to be vanquished or something. Yeah. Um, like they need to be rehabilitated. Yeah. Yeah, instead of let's stay in this discussion and, and see if we can reach some common ground. I mean, I think by and large, I think people want to not have a racist society. <laughs> that may not be everybody, but well, by I mean, large, that's the goal. The thing everyone can can probably agree on the principle of like they want fairness mm-hmm. right they, they want they want fairness yeah so I think just kind of rehearsing even mentally at first like some of these conversations where you know that someone believes differently than you and you may want to like sway them or influence them um, but you know take stock of that response that you're having and like, no, just notice it and like maybe stay in the conversation. You can rehearse that mentally kind of imagining it or you can actually do it in real life with someone. See if you could get to some common ground. I mean, it, the, the grief and the disgust and those kind of things are, you know, because it, it seems impossible right now because the, the views are so different. But... But if you stay in the stay in the box, as it were, and believe, maybe I could say something. Maybe we could communicate in a way where I could get my point across, or I can actually have some influence. This person might, you know, listen and take into account what I say. Then. You might be able, we might be able to reach some like constructive dialogue, right? Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I think in those difficult conversations, you know, our nervous system can paint a pretty ugly picture really quick. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, this is 
this is pointless they need to be rehabilitated like your nervous system is painting a very bleak picture of the scenario you know in in the moment and I think what you're trying to say is that if we can create just a little bit of space between the nervous system and the picture that it's painting and ourselves then we don't have to fall victim to the picture that the nervous system is painting mm -hmm. because if we're automatically just assuming that the picture that the nervous system is painting is the reality then we go nowhere right and then the picture that the nervous system is painting does become the reality because we say it is so you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah so just kind of getting a little bit of distance from that nervous system response and staying in there this is not a person who's going to hurt you or um, overpower you or something in the in the moment and like sitting with that discomfort of that threat and staying in the conversation and being able to speak up about what you believe and mm. how you feel about a certain topic and seeing if maybe you can have some influence, right? Influence is a, the nice word for power and control. And uh, we need to have that with each other if we're going to have relationships that are positive and constructive. Well, yeah, that's how healthy relationships work, right? Is that influence one another. Both of them, both parties are influencers. Yeah. So I want to talk about another scenario that's a little bit more difficult, I think, for a lot of us to um, imagine. And so, um, yeah, just so we can talk about, like, this is another scenario that you could run for yourself that doesn't, it's actually impossible to, like, make happen in real life but um, some of these things that we rehearse like internally actually are almost just as helpful um, and it's helpful to do it in your imagination um, and safer and to do you know more helpful to do that first in your imagination um, so that you can kind of practice that's why we call it rehearsal um, but so if you are in the position of power um, then you you would just basically imagine giving the other person power over you and what that feels like because so often that's the reason that we are um, defending our side and um, wanting to make sure that we maintain this sense of the status quo and like maintain that sense of power and control and the feeling of safety right so um, if you imagined like giving a, ma a majority share of the power to minorities and what that would feel like to you, um, then that will give you an idea of like what happens with your nervous system and the feeling of losing power and control or even like, um, you know, giving power to the other side. <laughs> You know, unfortunately, we've kind of divided ourselves into these sides, right? And so, like, we're afraid that the other party or the other sort of faction, the other group 
is going to have the power. Um, and when you give over power to someone else, there has to be trust mm-hmm. there, right? And so you have to, you would have to practice like letting them lead you, letting them have power. And we don't want to give that up because we don't trust other people. We definitely don't trust the other side, right? And believe that there's going to be that you know they're going to harm us or you know um, take take more and more power or even abuse the power that they do have and so that is a practice that we can rehearse what would it be like if we gave the other side more power right yeah can you can we handle that you know um Like from all of the rhetoric and stuff like that that appears to be going on, I don't think people are good at that. You know? No, I think it's very hard for for us to do that, you know? Yeah. So that's that's something that you can do on a personal level, right? Which is a good practice to have to like see if it's possible for you to allow someone else to have influence with you. Right. Yeah, because when you think of a true expression of power, right? A true expression of power is not this. It, a true expression of power is not requiring a high degree of control. Mm-hmm. True expression of power is flexible open can accept influence you know I think we confuse the concept of power and the concept of force Mm -hmm. you know and I don't think power has much if anything to do with force Mm-hmm. Force being like b- dominating someone. Yeah, sure. Even violence. Yeah. At times. I mean, but, when you really know that you have power, you don't grasp for it because the the grasping is it, that's like an act of desperation <laughs> someone that's truly in a position of and holds power well doesn't grasp for it doesn't do doesn't make all of its thoughts and act- activities about maintaining and holding on and grasping that's an act of desperation mm-hmm. you know I mean yeah there's a lot of flailing around grasping for power right now sure a lot of desperate people mm-hmm. but I mean immediately I, I think of like a, one of the most awesome to me expressions of power, true power and influence and change was Gandhi Mm -hmm. you know what I mean or 
Martin Luther King, like these these guys mm-hmm. were able to do this in I think a pretty good expression of of power and the, you know a, a lot of it was done through nonviolence actually most of the power was was done in 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 like unity and togetherness mm-hmm. you know what i mean and love and integrity i mean it wasn't by any you know it wasn't by force that wasn't it doesn't doesn't mean that they didn't stand by their principles uh, you know unmovingly mm-hmm. yeah these really powerful leaders pa- power in the sense of they could bring people together they didn't appear to be power grabbing yeah i mean you know gandhi was poor mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like not in a position of power not in he and he freed you know he freed a nation mm-hmm. he got the british government to literally eventually invite him to a meeting and they basically handed over the keys of a nation to him mm-hmm. i mean that's extraordinary yeah that is extraordinary that is pretty crazy. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when we talk about grasping for power from a desperate position, I mean, we're not saying you can't advocate for change. No, not right? at all. Right. And the way that you do it is important. Yeah. So, yeah, you can do it, you can do it from this position of, like, um, fear. Uh which is not a powerful way to do it, really, you know. But a powerful way to do it is know, knowing that ch- change is necessary and seeking to unite and make change happen and be inclusive as that happens, just knowing the change that needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that this is a really good opportunity for us to really examine our own personal understanding of what power means to us mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah tragically it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's anyone leading the way <laughs> you know I mean those people are there but it appears that a lot of the people in those positions in power are um you know, entrenched on a side, you know, mm-hmm. and or power grabbing. And so it's up to everybody. It's not, it's not up to us to wait, or it's not a good idea just to wait for somebody else to do it, you know, a leader or something. Because, you know, everybody's kind of entrenched in this oppositional, dynamic yeah I, I i think it's it's 
it starts with ourselves and how we're living that out in all of the areas of our life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you willing to give up your sense of power and control to let someone else have influence with you? Yeah. Or are you ready to redefine and recontextualize what power really is? Mm-hmm. And then have a good understanding of like what your nervous system thinks power is versus the reality because there's it's different the the reality isn't what your nervous system is telling you all the time many times it isn't you know I mean it thinks control you know control and force and hypervigilance is a way to maintain safety and power when the reality would most times say that the opposite is true mm-hmm. you know and so i think we all have to consciously put ourselves in the in a reflective place to really re, you know redefine what what power even is and you know what that even really means and how we've been living it out and maybe how we need to redefine that and and exude it differently Mm -hmm. yeah i mean ultimately the nervous system is sort of like all about self-protection you know um and there's this i mean just fear the fear of death or the fear of being destroyed is there. And it appears if you're going to have a real sense of power, you can't be operating in that, you know? So like confronting your own fear of death might be a good way to go about establishing a real sense of power. Oh, I mean, I think the two are absolutely connected. It's your if you're con- constantly acting in self-protection. If you're in self-protection mode all the time, you can't be truly powerful. I no. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have to be willing to kind of enter into to paradox here. I think, you know. Mm. Yeah, and we have to be willing to how to entertain how maybe the opposite is true. The opposite of of what we thought was true is true. Like mm-hmm. how power has much more to do with power has much more to do with non-reaction, accepting influence. You know unity all like all of these things trust trust trusting yourself like those are true expressions of like real power but i think we can fall under the illusion that that's not power that power has much more to do with Mm. you know control and safety and 
and all of that. Well, it's the it's the vulnerability that we're always avoiding. You know, yeah. like it sounds like the to have true power, you you have to have some vulnerability. You know, which which sounds like the opposite of power. Yeah. And flexibility. I mean, mm-hmm. I I just you know. There's a good book out there that's called Power Versus Force. It was one of the best books that I read that really like shredded my concepts of, Mm. you know, power and being in control. Like it just shredded all of that stuff. Yeah. It was really, really interesting. It's good. So yeah, I think let's let's practice vulnerability. Right? That sounds like fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not to the nervous system. <laughs> um Yeah, I think if I think if we will all make it a practice to like rehearse even just in our imagination like what it would be like to put ourselves in a vulnerable position then we might discover like some sense of power that we have, right? When we're no longer afraid of a vulnerable position, mm-hmm. we can be in our vulnerability and still advocate for change and still um, say what we think. Then we might just find that we have more power than we did when we were trying to just grab onto whatever we could and get ours. Yeah. I mean, I think that starts, if we're doing that on an individual level, you know, and more and more of us are doing that individually, that starts shredding or chipping away at this old social construct of, of power. And then I think you really start seeing things unfolding. Mm-hmm. We might just be able to develop a healthier dialogue, you know, politically and socially. Yeah. If we would practice that. Problem is there's so much, you know, there's so much of this, like, divisive rhetoric. People are constantly on the defense, right? I mean... You can be accused of being a racist, you know, you can have your, um, you know, you can, you can be dismissed and, you know, people can stonewall you and, and you can feel like people don't even want you around or, you know, I mean, there's so much that going around. So like to practice this vulnerability in the face of those things, I think is even more difficult but it's all the more important than to do it now right because what else is going to like help us find some common solutions besides vulnerability sure I mean it's times like this makes it harder that's for sure so yeah we got our work cut out for us there this is a good place to stop Sounds good to me.
All right, this is a good place to stop. We'll figure out how to how to do this, right? Every, for everybody to do this, and then right, and we'll change the world. Probably keep talking more about this. I'm sure it's a good idea. All right, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone.